the song service. I don't, I don't get to sit back and enjoy a good song service very often like this. I've got to be up here trying to do it. So I, I enjoy just getting to sit back and hear the praise team and you guys singing out good. I enjoyed it. Good to be here today. Did, they, did y'all show a video, a message from Brother Rob? Did y'all show that? They showed that down at, at, at uh, Tahlequah, too. And uh, they don't always do things here uh, like I would if I was doing it. And if I was doing it, I would show the video after we took up the offering. before people. Re- that way they give their money before they realize Brother Rob's not going to be here. And I, we just tell them, we already got your money. We ain't giving it back. But uh, anyway, so I hope the offering still be good anyhow. But uh, I always never, never feel adequate to fill in for Brother Rob, but I always feel honored. And privileged to be in the Lord's house. Glad you're here. Good crowd today. And thankful that uh, we can share God's word. And uh, it'll be good. I mean, I, it, it's got, uh, anything that comes from the word of God is going to be good. And uh, so I know uh, you, I'm disappointed Rob's not here myself. Because I want to hear him instead of me. But uh, it, if something comes out of God's word, it's still going to be good. So uh, you rest assured we'll get something from out of God's word today. Uh, it'll be a help to you if you'll listen to it all right. I'm going to try to preach to you for a few minutes this morning on the subject, how to deal with failure. We'll be looking at Proverbs 24, Proverbs 24, and verse number 16. Just one verse of scripture this morning, Proverbs 24, verse 16. How to deal with failure. This morning, how many of you would consider yourself to be a failure? I don't see a lot of hands go up, maybe one or two kind of timidly put up there, but but now, how many of you would admit that at times you have failed? That'd be all of us, wouldn't it? There's a big difference between failing and being a failure. I mean, we all fail. But we become a failure when we give up and quit trying again. Being a failure means there's no hope. But simply failing means there's still hope. And a lot of times we look at failing the same as we look at failure, but it's not exactly the same thing. When we look at failure, we need to look at what you do with it. I mean, if you fail and say, all right, I'm done, that's it, I quit, then you are a failure. But if you take that failure and you learn from it and say, I'll, I'll get better, then you just failed. That's all you've done. Now, the devil will try to come at you every time you fail. He'll try to convince you that every failure is fatal. And if you listen to his advice... He can defeat you. The devil will try to convince you that when you fail, that there's no way you can come back from that. But we need to realize that we serve a God of second chances and third chances and fourth chances and so on. Look at our text this morning, Proverbs 24, verse 16. It says, For a just man falls seven times and rises up again, but the wicked shall fall into mischief. Read that one more time. For a just man falleth seven times, and rises up again, but the wicked shall fall into mischief. Now, when we read that verse, we might ask, well, does that mean that after falling seven times, then you're a failure? No, that's really not what the verse is trying to say. You remember when Peter asked the Lord how many times we ought to forgive a person? He asked the Lord if, if seven was a good number. Peter's, he can tell he's, uh, he's, a good, he's a good Christian because he must, have, he must have asked all the theologians of his day and they told him seven is God's number because he, he, he gave he give, give the Lord that, that perfect number of seven. He said, Are we, should we forgive somebody seven times? 
And of course, the Lord answered and said, no, 70 times 7. Now, the Lord really wasn't saying, you count 70 times 7, and once you've forgiven them 70 times 7, just stop. You, you don't have to forgive them anymore. What he was really inferring there was if, if, you, if you start counting when you forgive somebody, if you really forgive them, by the time you get to the, the number of 70 times 7, by that time you've established a practice of forgiveness, and you're not even going to be counting by that point. So let's not, let's not focus and get caught up with the number, <clears throat> but instead let's focus on the principle that when the just man or woman falls, he gets up again and tries again. I want you to notice the contrast. We have on one hand the just. He says the just man falls and rises up again. But it says the wicked falls into mischief. So this morning you're going to have to decide where you're at. You can't be both. You can't give up and be a just man. Many times we look at all failure as bad and we try to say that we should avoid failure at all costs. But, and don't misunderstand me, I'm not saying that we ought to go out and look for ways to fail. But I will say this, if you've never failed, you've probably never done anything either. If you've never fallen on your face, then you've probably not ever tried to do anything for the Lord. I mean, don't we love our comfort zone? I mean, man, we have our little box, and as long as we stay in our little box, we know we're less likely to fail. But I'll also say this, but as long as we stay in our little box, we're not going to grow very much spiritually either. Every time you and I fail, we ought to be learning at least what doesn't work. And matter of fact, our failures that we learn from are really not failures, they're successes. Because it's helped us to learn. Matter of fact, sometimes God will use our failures to bring us to a higher level and bring us to a place with a better understanding of something because we've gone back and looked at that failure and we've learned from it. I believe it was Thomas Edison that I read about. He was working on inventing the electric light bulb, and he had tried somewhere around a thousand designs of the light bulb, and all of them had failed so far. One of his friends that knew what he was working on and knew how many times he had tried and failed asked him, so well, said, do you feel that those thousand failures have been wasted? He said, absolutely not. He said, I now know a thousand ways that won't work. I mean, it's only failure if it fails and you just keep doing the same thing. I'm reminded of what I read about the man who many believe is probably the greatest basketball player of all time, Michael Jordan. And in high school, he, he was cut from the varsity team. He's placed on the JV. Now, what if Michael Jordan there in high school when he got placed on the JV, what if he had been like a lot of, a lot of high school athletes today? What if he had got peeved? He told his mom and dad, well, I'm too good to be on JV. I'm just going to quit. I don't deserve to have to play on the JV. I deserve to be on the varsity, and so I'm just not going to play basketball anymore. Michael Jordan would have had that attitude and just quit. While he's in high school, he never would have achieved the area and the successes that he had in the area of basketball. But you research the reason behind that, the high school team that he was playing for desperately needed tall players, and Michael Jordan was only 5'10". And his friend Larry, uh, Leroy Smith was 6'7". And so he was picked over Michael Jordan to be on the varsity team. But Michael Jordan, when he's interviewed, looked back at that experience. And he said that really 
He said, when I got sent to the JV teams, and I didn't really have all the skills I needed, and by being forced to go back to the JV, it allowed me to work on those areas that I needed help with, and because of that, I became a better player. And because he did that, he be went on to become the great success in the sport of basketball. We spoke about Thomas Jefferson a moment ago, and when he was in school, he wasn't considered very smart. And as a matter of fact, he was, he was advised at one point that he needed to go into a field that highlighted his personality instead of his intellect because he wasn't considered very intelligent. It's two things life will teach you. It'll teach you that, life, that, that success is not constant. You're not going to constantly have success. I mean, people get used to now thinking they got to win all the time. You're not always going to win. And I know cowboys and Sooners fans right now, so we just like to win sometime. You will at some point. But you're also going to learn that failure doesn't have to be fatal. I mean, it seems like Christians for the last few years, seems like many times we have been on the failing end of things when it's come to political outcomes and when it's come to court cases and things that affect us as Christians. seems like many times here lately we've, we've, we've come out on seemingly the wrong end. It'd be easy sometimes for Christians just to say, all right, we've tried, we just cannot win this battle, we quit. But no, as long as we're still trying, we're not defeated. As long as we're still trying to do what God wants us to do, we're not defeated. I mean, when, when you fall into some kind of sin, the devil will he'll come at you and he'll say things like, well, if you really loved God, you wouldn't have done that. If you was really saved, you wouldn't have done that. We've got we to learn to quit listening to that voice as he tries to discourage us, tries to get us to quit. Matter of fact, as a society, many times we've been guilty of setting ourselves up for failure. I mean, we've made statements like, well, you can be anything you want to be if you just set your mind to it. Now, that sounds good. And we say that a lot. The only problem with it is not true. <clears throat> There's some things you can't be no matter how much you set your mind to it. I mean, you look at me today, and I, I, don't, have to, I don't have to try to prove it to you to, to find out. I can't dunk a basketball. I probably couldn't have dunked a basketball in high school very well, but even though I was skinny, I was short. And I, I hadn't gotten no taller, but I have got wider. And so I, if I couldn't dunk it, if I couldn't dunk it basketball in high school, I guarantee you I can't dunk it basketball right now. Unless you bring the goal down or you put something me jump off of. I'm not going to be able to dunk basketball. There's a man that goes to the church that my wife goes to down by the house. And I guess he's probably in his late 60s, early 70s probably. But that man, he was born without hands. He's got arms down to about the, just past the elbow, and and uh, now if he if he listened to that, you can do anything you put your mind to. It crowd, they might have told him, "Well, you why you why you can grow up and you can be a you can be one of those tower climbers and go up and change light bulbs on top of them thousand foot towers." Now he can do a lot of things. He's learned to do a lot of things. I mean, he can. Uh, it's, it's he's amazing to watch. He can drive a car. He he can he can take that stub and he use those muscles. He can he can put a fork over it. He can feed himself. He's, I mean, he's a lot of things he can do. There's going to be some things he can't do. But is he, is he a failure? No, he's not a failure. You know why? Because he just kept trying. He learned, things, he learned things that he could do, and he made it work. Matter of fact, he does things that are very important. And he can't really, I don't really know who he works for. He really can't give us, give us a lot of details. But he does work, even now, he still, still does work for, like, our intelligence agencies and some of the military operations. And uh, 
he, he'll, he'll tell you what he, that he's gone somewhere. He won't say never, well, usually won't say where exactly what they were doing, but uh, they send him on these missions overseas, and sometimes they just send him to just sit out somewhere and just kind of be a spy and get him, pick up intelligence for him. Because they look at him, they say, well, that guy, he's, he's a handicapped guy. He, well, he's not any threat to us. They don't even suspect that he might be gathering intelligence for the United States. And then, uh, he, he, he can use a gun, too. And uh, they, back in the spring, they sent his team over, I believe it was Afghanistan. They sent his team over there. And um, they, they got sent over to go take, take a couple of guys out. And they did. They, and uh, he wouldn't tell us who he took out or exactly where it was at. But I could put two and two together and about, about, timed it about the timing of where his trip was and when his trip was. And, and it, a few days later, the government announced they'd taken out one or two Al-Qaeda guys. And you know what? He... He'd have never accomplished all that if he had just said, you know what, I don't have any hands. I might as well just quit. There ain't nothing I can do. I'll just, I'll just go let somebody take care of me. No, he found something he can do, and he went on, and he just kept going. Now, there's a book that I, I read at one point that it was called Doing the Hard Thing, and the author of that book says one of the biggest mistakes of the 80s and 90s was this self-confidence phase. He said, young people were told that you can do anything you set your mind to it, but they weren't told that there's more to it than putting your mind to it. He says, we created a group of people that are not as good as they think they are. And many of them did not put in the hard work to be prepared to do what they set their mind to do. Now, you need to set your mind to do anything. If you, got, if you want to do something, you need to set your mind to it. But there's also sometimes there needs to be some actions put to it. You've got you to put the hard work in order to be able to get to that point. I mean, a lot of people in their Christian life, I mean, they, they, they say they want to get closer to the Lord, and they want to they be closer to God, and they want to be a better Christian. Yet they're not willing to put in the hard work, not willing to spend the hours in Bible study and prayer and trying to, to, to improve that walk with the Lord. The author of that book also said that he said, we raised a generation that only feels like they're successful as long as they're getting praised by people around them. He said, as long as people are bragging on them, people are praising them, they, they feel like they're a success. But the moment that nobody's praising them, nobody's bragging on them, then they feel like they've become a failure. You know, as Christians, we need to quit, quit listening to or relying on this outward praise to make us think we're worth something and start listening to the one that lives inside of us. I mean, we got a Savior that over 2,000 years ago died on the cross and gave His life for you and I. And if that was not enough to let us know we're worth something to Him, then all the praise of this world is not going to be able to amount to a hill of beans. I mean, I think we can agree this morning that if we're going to try to do anything for God, we can expect to fail from time to time. That don't mean we're not going to have some successes. But if you try to live for God and try to do something for God, there's going to be some times when you're going to fail. Now, when we expect something, we should prepare for it. Weather reports were calling for the possibility of severe weather on Friday. And all the way back to the beginning of last week, the schools began rescheduling some of the, th the Friday night football games and rescheduling them to Thursday night in anticipation of that storm. You say, what were they doing? They were preparing. They were being prepared for the storm that was coming in. And I got a notice on my phone on Thursday afternoon about what the weather's going to be like on Friday. Why did they send that to me? So I could be prepared. 
So you might as well expect from time to time to fail. Did you know you can fail in baseball 70% of the time and still be in the Baseball Hall of Fame? You can succeed just 30% of the time and be in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Quarterback can complete his passes 60% of the time and considered a great quarterback. That means he fails 40% of the time. But you and I got to realize that when we fail, it's not fatal. It's not the end. We just need to get up and keep going for the glory of God. That's my introduction. Now I'll give you the message. Failure is common. Failure is common, man. Expect it. I mean, you know you know you're gonna you know you're gonna get in a mess. You know there's gonna be times with, that things are gonna they're gonna mess up, and you know it's gonna happen. Expect to fail. You know why some people won't share the gospel with others? They won't share the gospel with others because they're afraid they'll fail in the presentation of the gospel. They're worried about trying to share the gospel message and making a mess out of their presentation. We need to realize that we serve a God that can do all things. People aren't saved because of our perfect presentation of the gospel. People are saved by hearing a perfect gospel. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, praise the Lord, we had a young man, I, 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 I would think he's probably maybe in his, in his 20s. We had a young man that, that came to Brother Glenn and got saved after the service this morning, between the first service and second service at Tahlequah. Young man came to Glenn, he, and Glenn and I were able to kneel down at the altar and, and hear that man ask the Lord Jesus Christ to come into his heart and be saved. I mean, you know, I wish I wish I could say, man, he 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 got he didn't come in the invitation, but he came between services and he got saved this morning because I preached such a great message on salvation. You know what? I didn't even mention salvation. So, number one, while I was preaching on getting over failures, Holy Spirit may have been preaching to him about salvation. But number two, for him to get saved after a message that didn't even mention salvation indicates to me that probably somewhere along the line, somebody sowed the seed. Somebody else sowed a seed in his heart about his need for salvation. And somebody else may have thought, well, I sowed that seed. I told him what Jesus did for him, tried to get him to accept Christ, and he wouldn't do it. They may be thinking, they might have thinking there's a failure because he didn't get saved at the, at the moment they talked to him. You know what? They're not a failure. Number one, they're not a failure because you never fail by telling somebody the gospel because God don't hold you accountable for what they do with it. He just holds you accountable for telling them. But number two, they're not a failure because even though they didn't get saved at that moment when they shared it, he still got saved later. Well, expect to fail. I know I've messed up plenty of times. And what if I quit every time I messed up? Man, there's... There's been times I've got up to sing, my voice cracked, or forgot the words to a song. Man, I used to know all the keys. My family sang together, and I remembered all the keys of all the songs we're in. Nobody ever had to write them down or give them to me. But, man, now I can't remember the keys of the song I'm playing right now sometimes. I mean, I messed up so bad sometimes. It, if, I, if, I, if I quit every time I messed up, I'd quit four or five times a service. I mean, you wouldn't believe how many wrong notes I hit on, the, on that piano when I'm playing it. 
I just try to hit so many of them that you won't hear the ones I messed up on. I mean, especially when I was a young preacher. Man, when I was a young preacher, I, I messed up so bad sometimes. I finally just close my Bible and just say, stand on your head and bow your feet. Let's just go home. I mean, we all fail in areas of our life. I mean, how many of you parents would be honest enough to admit that there's been times when you failed as a parent? I know I have. Well, when you fail as a parent, did you just put your kids up for adoption and say, I can't do this? I know some people that probably should. But I know when I messed up, and I messed up plenty, I wasn't ready to just get rid of my kids. I can't do this. I just want to try again, try to do better. Try to improve. Expect to fail from time to time. How do you expect to fail? Number one, expect to fail because it's common. Everybody fails. The devil's going to try to convince you that nobody else struggles with failure. You're the only one. Everybody else, I mean, everybody else has this perfect walk with the Lord, and you're the only one that's messing up. Simon Peter messed up on numerous occasions. Matter of fact, some of the heroes of our faith that we'll read about in the Bible, man, they made some big mess-ups. Simon Peter failed to, to the point of denying even that he was a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if, if Simon Peter, if he had failed with our modern days thinking, his ministry probably would have been over. All of his invitations to preach revivals probably would have dried up. They'd have said, well, we can't have, well, we can't have him come preach a revival for us. He messed up. What did the Lord do about it? How did the Lord respond to Peter's failures? Well, the Bible says Peter repented. Somewhere along the line, the Lord said, you know, Peter, I think I'll let you preach Pentecost. The Bible says that after Peter preached that day, about 3,000 people got saved. And that was after his failures. I'd say he still got used even after his failures. I want you to notice all of us Christians have something in common. That is that we've all failed. The only difference is some of us failed and gave up. Others failed and got up. And we became more determined to accomplish something for the glory of God. I want you to notice we can expect to fail because it's common. Number two, it's consistent. Our text doesn't say that a just man falls once or twice. It says the just man falls seven times. You know what that tells me? That tells me that just man is, he'd gotten pretty good at failing. And guess what? So am I. And guess what else? So are you. We're all pretty good at failing. I mean, I'm so good at it, I can do it numerous times a day. You ever seen somebody work themselves into a frenzy trying to keep from admitting that they failed? <laughs> you know, you, work, you ever work with somebody like that? <laughs> I know I have. I like watching that. They got that new TV show. It's actually, it's an old TV show, really. But... Uh, 
It used to be live PD. Now it's, I think, on patrol live or something like that. And then people, they'll, they'll, they'll stop those people and they'll get them. And they will, I mean, they're caught red-handed and the evidence is all out there. And they will work themselves into a frenzy trying to, trying to explain how that officer, they would, no, I didn't do that. I mean, they might, they might have them on camera just doing it. And they still try to act like they didn't do it. Man, I tell you what, I don't know about you, but I consistently fail. It happens all the time. Now, our text doesn't say that he, that he fell seven times and rise, rose up again, and, and he stopped there. He must have developed a practice of getting up every time. Matter of fact, we might as well just admit to God when we fail. We ain't hiding nothing from him anyway. When we mess up, the best thing we can do is just admit that we, that we failed and repent. Just admit that we failed and repent. And ask God to help us keep on going for him. In spite of all of our failures, you realize sometimes it just takes one success story to outshine all those failures. Another thing about failure, failure is also compassionate. It's not just common and consistent, but it's compassionate. You say, well, preacher, I understand failure being common. I understand it being consistent, but how's failure compassionate? Well, you see, sometimes God allows us to fail to keep us from making a bigger mess down the road somewhere. I mean, you try to be on time for work, it seems like everything goes wrong, and you hit all the lights at the wrong time, they're all on red. Maybe you started out the day with a flat tire. You finally get going, you get down the road, and there you end up coming up on a wreck. What you thought was a failure of the start of your day might have been what kept you from being the one involved in that wreck. Looking back at your failures, how many times did God allow you to fail? Because if he'd, he'd let you just keep doing down the road you was on, he's going to make a mess. One of my cousins was, was a very good builder, building homes. Back in the 80s during the housing boom, man, he started building a lot of houses. Man, he was making a lot of money. He was good at it, had a good crew. And, man, he started making a ton of money building houses. Matter of fact, he was able to build a huge, nice new home for him and his wife. And, man, they bought them boats and fancy cars and everything else. But they got so busy with that business that was booming, and they got so busy enjoying those, to those toys that they'd been able to purchase, they started getting slack in their church attendance. Before long, they got to the point they were just completely out of church. But God allowed his business to fail to the point that he got so messed up, he almost went, he almost went to prison for things not being in order. They ended up losing everything. But they're back in church today. God allowed that to happen. God allowed his failure to bring him back to where he should be with the Lord. I remember another man that my dad used to tell about that 
he was going to our church when I was growing up, and he began to miss church a lot because his business was doing so good and he was so busy. When my dad mentioned it to him, he said, Well, Pastor, man, I, I'd love to be back faithful in church again like I used to be, but, man, my business has just been going so good that I just don't have time to be in church like I used to. My dad said, Well, let's, let's, let's just pray about that. So let's just ask the Lord to take away some of your business so you'll have more time and get back in church. He said, no, 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 don't, don't do that. I, I think I can find some time somewhere. You see, God allows us sometimes to fail even in good things because God wants to bring us better things. Do you know what the enemy of great is? Most people will say bad, no. The enemy of great is good. Because if the devil can get you satisfied with good, you'll never strive to be great. I mean... There'll be people that you'll have a good marriage. But if you get satisfied with a good marriage, you're never going to strive to have a great marriage. If you get satisfied to have a good relationship with the Lord, you're not going to be striving to have a greater relationship with the Lord. See, sometimes the failures we experience are God's compassion, letting us fail to keep us from being satisfied with good when he wants us to experience great. How many times you and I try to bargain with God? Lord God, if you'll just let me, if you'll just let me win a million dollars. I guess the lottery's up over a billion dollars now, I think you said. You know, some of y'all probably bought a lottery ticket, and I guarantee you, you probably made a deal with God. Lord, if you'll let me win that lottery. Lord, I, pr I promise you half of it will go to you. I, I ain't seen nobody with that big a smile on your face, so I don't guess you want it, because... See, the Lord knows our hearts better than we know ourselves. And you might have meant it when you said, God, if you'll let me win that lottery, I'll give half of you. You might have meant that, but God knows your heart knows my heart. He might have looked at our heart and said, I know you say that, but I know your heart, and I know you wouldn't do it. I know you wouldn't give me half of it. Or even if you did give me half of it, somewhere down the road, because you got all that money, you'd quit relying on me. You'd quit trusting in me. You might quit serving me because you don't need me anymore, you think. And God knows us better than we know ourselves. Sometimes those failures, it's because God knows us. He's just saving us from things. Well, don't be, don't be surprised when you fail. Just expect it. Do you get your electric bill every month and get surprised by it? And say, I, you might be get surprised by the amount of it, but you ain't surprised that you get an electric bill, are you? You say, well, I, I can't believe they sent me an electric bill this month. Well, they sent me one last month. Why do they send me another one? No, you don't do that, do you? Because no, you expect it. You know you're going to get one. Well, don't act surprised from time to time when you fail. Just expect it because you're going to fail from time to time. You know from time to time you're going to expect, you're going to have us just expect it. Number two, learn from it. If you're going to learn from your failures, number one, learn honestly. What do we tend to do when we fail? Blame somebody else, don't we? If you failed a test in school, well, it was the teacher's fault. She just didn't explain it very good. Or the girl I was copying off of didn't study hard enough. I mean, we always, we blame our failures on everybody else, don't we? Remember when you was doing math problems and the teacher would say, show your work? I was usually like, I don't want to show my work. Because I could see enough to get the answer off of her, but I couldn't see how she, how she arrived at that answer. 
I never was good at math. Even in college, I, I did okay. I did okay with like business math, like money, I guess. But it, man, all that calculus and all that kind of stuff, man, I, that didn't, didn't make no sense to me. And I'll be honest with you. Most of it I hadn't used today. To today, from the time I got out of school till now, I hadn't even used it. I know we got to learn it. You know why I didn't like? I didn't like to show my work. Because the teacher could look on there and see that. Well, there's no way you could have figured it like that and got this answer. But the good thing about showing your work. If you honestly do try to do the work and you're wrong, you end up with the wrong answer, the teacher can sit down with you and go back over those calculations and go back and see at this point is where you went wrong. This is, it. This is what caused you to get the wrong answer. This is what caused you to fail. You know, we need to do that in our Christian life. When we have a failure, we need to go back over our steps that we've taken and say, at what point, at what point, in what I did, did I reach that place that caused me to fail? I mean, you aren't going to learn from it if you don't go back and see where it was you messed up. You're not going to learn from a failure unless you find out what you did wrong. But in all reality, if that failure teaches you something, you learn from it. You really, it really wasn't a failure. It was a success. Now... If you're an adult today and you haven't learned that when you put your hand on a hot stove and it's going to burn you, I don't feel sorry for you. I mean, all of us have touched a hot stove or something and when we was a kid. We found out it's hot, it's going to burn me. Most of us learned that. But if you're an adult today and you're still touching hot stuff and getting burnt, I might feel sorry for a kid, but I don't feel sorry for you. You should have learned that by now. I mean, a wise person is going to learn from their failures instead of continuing to make the same mistakes over and over. If you're going to learn from your failures, you're going to have to get honest with yourself about who you are. You're going to have to quit blaming somebody else all the time for your failures. Just admit where you messed up and learn from your experience. Get honest with God about who you are. I mean, we're saved sinners that are prone to sin is what we are. Sometimes we'll try to say we want God to honor, get honor from something that we're doing. But in all reality, if we'll search our heart. Many times what we're doing, we're trying to get the glory ourselves. Are you one of those people you think the reason you can't succeed is because of all the idiots you work with? I mean, you can't get a promotion because nobody realizes just how valuable you are. You may end up being like the guy that got called into the, boss, the boss's office one day and the boss said, well, I don't have any idea how we're going to be able to get by here without you, but starting tomorrow, we're going to find out. They say, I don't know if it's true or not, they say this is, these are direct quotes from employee evaluations. It said, since my last report, this employee has reached rock bottom and has started to dig. His men would follow him anywhere, but only out of morbid curiosity. I would not allow this employee to breed. Works well under constant supervision and cornered in a trap. When he opens his mouth, it seems that this is only to change whichever foot was previously in there. He would be out of his depth in a parking lot puddle. This young lady has delusions of adequacy. She sets low personal standards, then consistently fails to achieve them. This employee should go far, and the sooner he starts, the better. This employee is depriving a village somewhere of an idiot. 
This employee started at the bottom and seems to like it there. I hope that's not on any of my evaluations at work. But I guarantee you, if those were real evaluations, if you were to go back and ask those people that were being referred to there in, that, in those evaluations, I guarantee you, every one of them probably thought they was one of the best employees the company had. They would not admit that they was that person that was being evaluated there. Romans 12, verse 3 says, we should not think more highly of ourselves than we should. Some of you are probably sitting there thinking, well, he's not preaching to me this morning because I hardly ever failed. Let me talk to your wife for a few minutes. I bet we'll get a more honest picture about your failures. If you're going to learn from your failures, you're going to have to learn honestly. Then number two, you're going to have to learn humbly. Humility is not a word that we like to hear. One reason is many of us don't learn from our failures is because we're not as good as we think we are. I'd rather see somebody that messes up a lot but admits their failures and learns from them than I would somebody that messes up a few times but doesn't realize and admit it those few times they do mess up. We need to realize this isn't about us. This is about the Lord. And if we can't get corrected when we mess up, then we're, we're not ever going to get better. It's the truth on the job. It's the truth in the church. I mean, we'll never grow in our Christian walk with Christ if we can't take correction from the man of God or the Word of God. If we're going to learn from our failures we're going to have to admit that there's people that know more than we do. Especially us men, that's hard for us to admit that somebody might know more than we do. And there's some, there's some experts in their field here among, in our, in today in this crowd. I mean, there's some people that, that you're experts in the field that maybe you work in or you have worked in. But I will dare to say today that every one of us here today, in whatever field it might be, that we think we're an expert, I guarantee you, there's somebody in the world that knows more than we do. Sometimes a failure causes us to have to go to somebody and ask for help and admit that we don't know everything. We're going to have to realize some of our failures are so that we will reach out and ask for help. Now, if you're going to keep failing over and over and just do the same thing over and over again, eventually it's going to wear you down. You're going to finally get to the point where you're just going to quit trying. And at that point, your failures will make you a failure. So we expect failure and we learn from it. But then we also need to get past it. Not just learn from it, but get past it. Some people slowly move forward in their walk with the Lord and they are trying to walk with the Lord. They're trying to, to improve their walk. But they just don't have it doesn't happen very fast because they're spending all their time turned around looking the other way back at their past failures. I mean they can't accomplish much now because they can't get over what happened in the past and the messes they made in the past. They always got their eye on the past, always dwelling in their past, on their past mistakes. How do we get past our failures? Number one, it takes persisting. Sometimes after failure, we just have to take the time to determine God's will. Sometimes we're going to find that God allowed failure because we was headed down the wrong road. We was going the wrong direction, and God allowed failure to keep us from making a big mess. So you've got to find out, Lord, is there something I need to do? Is there some correction I need to make? But then sometimes we examine our heart, we examine our walk. And God will reveal to us that, no, you were going the right way and you were doing the right things. But the devil threw up a roadblock in your path to cause you to fail because he wanted to try to get you to quit. And if that's the case, 
And you just need to tell the devil, no, you're not getting me down. You're not going to discourage me. I, I, I serve a God of second chances, third chances, fourth chances. I'm going to get up and try again. Our text verse this morning describes a man that's consistent in his walk with God. He falls down, gets back up, falls down, gets back up, falls down, gets back up. So he's, he's established that pattern of failing and getting back up, failing and getting back up. Man, it seemed like uh, my mom and dad, of course, they, they were from that greatest generation, as we called it. My dad, of course, served in World War II. A lot of people around that age, a lot of them people in, they, they met and knew each other like two days and got married. And some of them have been married 60-something 60, 60 years. Brother Leon and Miss Georgia down there at Tahlequah, they've been married 65 years. Now, do you think in 65 years that Brother Leon and Miss Georgia, do you think in 65 years that neither one of them has failed? I guarantee you. They've had some failures. Anybody's been, anybody's been married, married longer than 20 minutes has failed somewhere along the line. But them people, those people back then that, that someone, like I said, I mean, nowadays you can, you can date somebody seven years and your marriage not last seven months. But them people, they could, they could know each other two days getting married. 75 years later, man, they're 100 years old and still married. You know why? They were persistent. They determined that no matter what, we love each other and we're going to stay together through thick and through thin and we're going to make this work. And some of you need to do that in your Christian life. You need to decide, God loves me, I love Him, I've got Him with me, and I'm just going to be persistent. No matter how many times I get knocked down, I'm just going to keep on walking for Him. Not only persisting, but getting past your failure is going to require some perfecting. Allow failure to mature you. As you fail, learn from it and let it make you more like Christ and help it move you closer to Him. See, failing permits us to learn how to do things better. Any church that tries to do anything for Christ is going to try something that's going to fail. They're going to try some things that aren't going to work. Do they just quit? No, you don't quit. Just, just try something else next time. Every Christian that succeeds in their Christian life is going to have to expect some failures. And if they allow those failures to perfect them, they'll grow from their experiences and keep going for Christ. Getting past your failures is going to require persistency, perfecting. Last of all, it's also going to produce proving. When we fail, yet we still get up and keep going, we're proving our trust in God. When you fail... But yet, by God's grace, you get up and keep trying for Him. You're showing God and you're showing those around you that I still trust God. I still believe that in spite of my messes, God can still make my mess into a masterpiece. God can still do something with me. I mean, we got too many Christians today that just, they quit if things don't go their way. Man, I, I don't know about you, but I want to be that kind of Christian that just, the devil's going to have to try real hard to knock me down. If he does knock me down, he can't keep me down. Matter of fact, if we're not only proving our trust in him, but we're also proving the faithfulness of God. When you get back up and you just keep on trying, keep on going, getting past your failures, you're proving God's faithfulness. See, sometimes God allows us to fail from time to time so that we can appreciate the faithfulness of God. 
Aren't you glad the Bible says he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins? No matter how many times we mess up, he'll still forgive us. Now, the devil, he's going to come to you and he'll say, now, if you're saved, you wouldn't have messed up like that. If you really love God like you say you do, you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have a problem with that stuff like this. The devil will try to convince you that you're a failure. But if when you fail, you just brush yourself off and get up and try again. Man, God, isn't it, isn't it wonderful how God will just love on you? God will just take you under his wing and just begin to wrap his arms around you, encourage you just to keep on going. See, what's he doing? He's proving his faithfulness to you. This morning, just about gone into overtime here, just after 12 o'clock. Man, you, down there at Tallacar, they forgot to set the clock. Man, they, they sure would have thought it was overtime. It's 1 o'clock already. He's still preaching. This morning, don't let your failures define you. We're going to have a verse of invitation this morning. Spire your heads. Examine your heart this morning. Instead of letting your failures inspire you, won't you let, let your failures inspire you to be better. Won't you let your failures inspire you to get up and do better next time? Don't quit. Just make up your mind that there's going to be failures from time to time. I expect it. But also make up your mind that when you do fail, you're going to learn from it. And as long as you're learning from it, it's really not a failure. And then take what you've learned from your failures and get past it. Don't dwell on the messes of yesterday. Dear Father, Lord God, I thank you for the privilege of being in your house today. And thank you for the attentiveness of these good folks. And Lord, I pray that something we've said today Holy Spirit's been able to use to speak to some hearts and Lord I don't know maybe there's somebody here this morning that's either on the verge of quitting or maybe in their heart they've already quit they're still here going through the motions but in their heart they've quit Lord help them to have the courage just to make things right with you just get up and go again keep trying keep serving you keep doing what's right Lord most of all for somebody here this morning that's not saved Lord I pray that Holy Spirit's done His work in their heart this morning, drawing them to repentance. And I pray they'll come forward and make things right with you. Seems we ask in your name. Amen. Let's all stand together.